You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are in the new year, 2024. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by my esteemed colleague at Horns247, the one and only Eric Henry. Eric, it's been a wild and woolly week since uh, we last got together for an episode of the Flagship Podcast. Um, Here's the timeline of what we're going to be getting into uh, since our last episode, January 9th, A.D. Mitchell enters the NFL draft. January 10th, Bo Davis, the Texas defensive line coach, leaves for LSU. Same position. Uh, later that day, Nick Saban announces he's retiring. Good timing for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, January 11th, Quinn Ewers announces he's returning to Texas. Um January 11th, also when Texas set April 20th as the date for the spring game. Still no kickoff time for that, but save the date April 20th. January 13th, Texas announces a four-year extension for Steve Sarkeesian. As we said, good timing on the Nick Saban retirement. Um, January 13th, also the day that Jade Barron indicates uh, in a video with Michael Huff He's returning to Texas for the 2024 season. January 14th, Alabama wide receiver Isaiah Bond signs with Texas. Um, January 14th, also when sources tell Horns 24-7 that Dwayne Aquina is returning to Texas as a senior defensive analyst. January 16th, DeAndre Robinson is released from his letter of intent, the defensive tackle, um, who. is now seeking uh, a new school. And January 16th, Texas lands Alabama linebacker Kendrick Blackshear uh, from the transfer portal. So, Eric, it has been a week, my friend. Uh, Where do you want to start? Oh, man, Chip, two things. One, should we pause? Should we hold off? Because literally an hour. After we finished taping the podcast last time, the Bo Davis news broke that, you know, you did a great job being on top of that there. But it's like it's one of those things, Chip, you know how it is in this game, right, of, of, you know, reporting and journalism. You're kind of scared to take a nap because it's inevitably in that moment when you take a nap is when everything happens. So, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens between now, the time we tape this. Um, and just a, I want to send a, a quick uh, note to anyone who listened to last podcast and know some technical difficulties. Apologies on my end there as your podcast producer had, had a little bit of a, of a mishap there. So I just want to state that first and foremost. Chip, where do we start? Uh, I, I think we got to start really um, with Bo Davis first off, and then probably we can go down the line in terms of the receivers and then uh, the addition 
Kendrick Blackshear and 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 um and the the I, I would call it decommit I guess you know release of letter of intent of DeAndre Robinson and I mean it's a lot to to go through um but I, I'm I'm gonna start Chip with with Bo Davis I mean even Sark's extension in there probably is probably on the top of the list as well but let me just start with well, Bo we Davis. left off Silas Bolden the Oregon State receiver um committing to Texas out of the transfer portal sorry about that no no worries you go to trio I mean I just published a feature on horns 24 7 uh, about an hour ago talking about the way that some of these receivers could be used similar to the way that Steve Sarkeesian used Jerry Judy and you know some of those guys there Jalen Waddle and others at Bama but all right Bo Davis let's, let's kick it off there um Chip I, I I there's no doubt in my mind it's a significant loss you know we got a lot to get into so I'm not gonna I'm gonna try not to be too long-winded on on any of these things but just cutting right to the 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 meat of the matter here right you know you take a look at what Bo Davis did in his three-year stint this three-year stint with the horns and I talked about in the last podcast look no further than we did with Keandre Coburn Moro Ojimo and of course last year with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy just chipping and of course you covered the team you know certainly much longer than I have but in specificity uh those two years 2021 and 2022 so you're probably more adept to talk about the growth of uh Coburn and Ojimo but you know I can just say you know entering this year with Sweat and Murphy even you know there were high expectations from you know the greater public whether it's media fans in general for both players but no one could have predicted Sweat and Murphy being the top two rated defensive tackles in all of uh, the nation by pro football focus really chipped for almost a majority of the year. I felt like we've been running that stat ever since week three, week four, week five, their dominance shown uh, shined through. So, you know, the, I think in my mind, the reason why Bo Davis is a significant departure and we'll see what happens with that spot um, is the feeling chip, uh, you know, certainly amongst us at Horns 24 seven. And I don't think there's any doubt of the feeling was of this with the staff is that it was going to be next man up. You know, and Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, some of the young guys were going to be the next ones to sit at the foot of Bo Davis's tutelage. Now, that's not the case. That's not to say that these guys, you should expect anything less of them. But I will say this, Chip, and I think we've talked about this a little bit in our um, our group chat. I don't feel, as I'm speaking out of turn, as if this heightens the need for maybe uh, an addition in the interior defensive line. That's not, uh, you know, shading anyone who may get this defensive line job um, coming up. But I just think the fact that you don't have Bo Davis, the relationship he built with these guys, Alfred Collins said, you know, I'd give this guy the shirt off my back, you know, that kind of buy-in um, uh, that's earned, earned over three years. I, I think that kind of heightens the need for just more ready bodies at the interior defensive line ship. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this was an interesting development. Um, you know, Bo Davis, it, it, his son, Bo, spelled B-E-A-U, um, is at Southeastern Louisiana, and Bo Sr. wants to coach him. Now, this is a, a kid who started off at, you know, a community college then went to southeast louisiana he he's you know not a highly touted recruit but he wants to coach his son just like steve sarkeesian is coaching his son brady as a walk-on at texas lsu got a hold of this information and did everything it could to assure bo that um his son bo would be admitted to lsu and be 
part of the football team as a walk-on and Bo would get to, to coach him. Um, Texas, I think was trying to figure out a way to get Bo's son into school. It was not going to happen until um, the end of next semester, basically May, June um, LSU said, we'll get him in now. So um, that Bo Davis eats a $500,000 buyout or LSU does, and he gets a, a raise there at LSU where that is his alma mater. So it's, um, you know, there's all kinds of things going on there, but the, um, you know, the fallout obviously is, is happening because Jamari Caldwell, who Texas was in good shape with to land as a, um, a transfer from Houston has now committed to Oregon and, um, as we mentioned, DeAndre Robinson, one of the uh, three interior defensive linemen in Texas's 2024 class, a guy I really like, um, is now uh, he's been released from his letter of intent to Texas, and and so this uh, you know there's been a, a ripple effect, and look, Bo Davis. Um, I don't think anyone would say he's a great recruiter, but he is a, he might be a great developer of talent because he worked for Nick Saban twice. He worked at Texas twice. Um, he won, helped Saban win a national championship at LSU in 03, went with him to the Miami Dolphins in 04. And um, obviously, as you said, helped develop uh, Trevondre Sweat and Byron Murphy into the top two rated interior defensive linemen. And that is no small feat that you have to have difference making defensive tackles to do anything in college football. If you want to be a big time player, you want to be in the college football playoff, you want to win a national championship, you got to have difference making defensive tackles and, and a coach who can develop them. So this uh, this is the probably the biggest looming um, situation for Steve Sarkeesian to get resolved as uh, we move on. And um, obviously, when we talk about developments, the Nick Saban retirement, uh, the fact that Jimmy Sexton is the agent for both Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian and Kalen DeBoer and Mike Norvell. I mean, Jimmy is, Sexton. Is, is, is he your agent? You know, knowing you're big time. He, he... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't cut to I had to throw that out there. <laughs> I wish. Um, perfect timing. So, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, and we're, uh, it must be a big number because Texas didn't, you know, sources aren't really releasing that. So we've had to file open records requests. We'll, we'll have it for you. I, I'm told it is in that $10 million neighborhood. So, which will put him in the top five nationally. And then you get the four-year extension for for Sarkeesian, which I think is smart. It's not crazy. It's not the ten-year uh, deal, and so um, all of that comes down as Quinn Ewers announces he's returning, and we've sort of taken that for granted a little bit, Eric, because it's been. So circulating for about 
uh, probably a month from the end of the season that that Quinn Ewers was thinking about coming back, that he still things to work on, still wanting to lead this team and that, you know, hey, got a taste of the college football playoff and uh, the way that Steve Sarkeesian's recruiting receivers. There's a lot of excitement about next year's offense already. And that's an offense that's losing A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and J.T. Sanders. So um, you don't ever really worry about the offensive side of the football with Steve Sarkeesian. That's that's the thing. Uh, but that's a huge announcement, Eric. Quinn yours? Come on. No, no, undoubtedly, Chip. I mean, listen, you know, all of the ridiculous little, you know, ham and egg or whatever you want to call them sites, you know, talking about Arch Manning, this Arch Man, that the fact of the matter is this, we, we all, those of us around this program every day. And I think most people in the know, um, a did expect Quinn yours to come back and B understand the value in a Quinn yours. And I think that's the point in my mind that that's really going understated, right? You know, I, I'm not going to even entertain any of that, you know, Arch Manning talk. Let's just focus on Quinn here for a second. Talk about his development. We're talking about a kid who chip was a 24 seven sports composite, Five-star recruit, number one recruit in his class, just like Archman. So we're not talking about someone who's perfect rating. Perfect rating. Not talking about someone who's devoid of talent here. There's only like so, four of those in the last, since Vince Young. There you go. There you go, right? So we're not talking about someone who's devoid of talent, someone who cannot do all the things that's asked of him. And Chip, the biggest thing in my mind is you're getting now a third-year quarterback. I mean, someone who, you know, Quinn talked a lot about Entering this year, the the level of comfort it gave him to know that he had earned the starting job after last spring and what that kind of allowed him to do as far as taking control of the offense, taking control of the team and being a leader, that's only going to be heightened, Chip. And you talk about going to this year, in my mind, and now, now he gets these trio of receivers, in my mind, and not to shift it away from Quinn for a second, but maybe I think I'm just fresh off of writing this piece, Chip. You, for I would implore all fans if you have a pro football focus account, or if not, you know, hey, check out my writing, horns247.com. But even if you, you, you can't, um, or you don't, you know, which I don't see why you wouldn't, but you listen to us here, uh, check out 2019 2020 Alabama clips on YouTube. The way that Steve Sarkeesian was able to use those wideouts interchangeably, Chip, and I'm sure you were there for the 2021 press conference, or, or I'm gonna assume it was a press conference when I, I did the research, saw the quote, which he, which he said. Uh, he views the receiver position as positionless. It's not about being the X or the Z, you know, or, or in the slot. He, th he wants to use these guys interchangeably. Go back to Bama. Take a look at how he used Jerry, Judy, Jalen Waddle. Both of those guys, and Devontae Smith as well. Actually, all three of those guys uh, played over 100 snaps in a season at each spot. Chip, what that allows you to do is when you're facing a defense, it just, A, forces you to game plan that much harder against an offense B when you're out there, you know, you don't, it's not like, Hey, we're going to take our best corner and, and follow him, you know, with this guy, right. You're going to be able to take uh insert receiver and, and put him in various scenarios. And based on the defense, that's going to create a lot of mismatches in my mind, Chip, just go back to the efficiency. Those two years, 2019, 2020 Bama averaged over 45 points per game no less than 4,000 passing yards in both of those games. Chip, I think it is fair to say, so hopefully we can tie all of this in as I pass it back to you when talking about Quinn Ewers' return. 
I think it could be possible to say, and this is not reckless speculation, that the best of Steve Sarkeesian's offense in terms of what he wants to do things in terms of the passing game may be yet to come. And that's only going to benefit not only a Quinn Ewers coming back, but just really this offense as a whole. Yeah. And if you go back and look at those, the 2019-2020 seasons that you were just talking about at Alabama, um, he had Najee Harris at running back in both of those seasons. And Najee Harris was rushing for 1,400 yards. He had ridiculous receiving numbers. I want to say, you know, in the 30s for receptions. And it was dizzying what Steve Sarkeesian was doing with that offense. And it's probably the one of the biggest reasons Nick Saban has a soft spot in his heart. Saban was watching that offense going, man, this is fun. I'm having a good old time out here watching uh, watching all these playmakers just make opposing uh, defenses' heads spin. But it is. It's, it's impressive. And look, having Quinn Ewers back as a third-year guy in the Sarkeesian offense is enormous because look at the growth we saw from 58% completion rate to 70%. The confidence, the way he carried himself uh, compared to – that first year where it felt like he was still getting to know his teammates. We had some weird um, chemistry games with between, well, really from Xavier Worthy body language. Um, and you wondered if everyone was on the same page, but then Quinn came back in 2023, a totally different person, a more confident person, an in charge person. It was his team. There's no doubt it's his team. And I loved the self-awareness that Quinn Ewers showed going into the 2023 season, not just cutting the mullet and, and the beard, um, remaking his body, but committing to being a great teammate, taking charge, being more vocal, getting out of his comfort zone, leading the team to a Big 12 championship. He's now in the conversation with conference championship winning quarterbacks at Texas like Vince Young and Colt McCoy. And look, the guy was one throw away from maybe uh, getting to the national championship game. That's undoubtedly and talking to people close to Quinn. Um, it's going to be a driving force for him in 2024. And when you have a quarterback who's the tip of the spear and to me handles everything like it's no big deal. I mean, having Arch Manning behind you could unnerve um, a certain quarterback. Quinn Ewers takes Arch Manning hunting. You know, they're, they're buddies. Um, when Quinn, you know, was out of the game and Arch came in for that crazy applause against Texas Tech, Quinn was laughing. And, and, uh, and so, look, that's a healthy room is what I'm trying to say. And that's a, that's a good thing for Steve Sarkeesian. So, um, you know, Eric, one of the more interesting developments that, um, you know, came down last week, you wrote about it. Jade Barron, Jade Barron had an unbelievable season in 2022 when he led the team in tackles for loss. Um, the 2023 season, not as it didn't finish as well as his 2022 season. And 
he releases in a video with Michael Huff, where Huff hands him a number seven jersey. And he says, I guess I'm coming back um, that that he'll return in 2024. And I just like that Jody Barron is self-aware enough to say, you know what? There's more I can do. And and so that's that's a big plus because he's a he's a big time playmaker. Chip, first off, that that was a great video. I mean, I, I'm again my first year here uh, on the 40 acres, right? But uh, come on, how can you not love Michael Huff taking the jersey and handing it to him the number seven? I mean, that, I loved that video. So shout out to Jade and his team and Michael Huff for putting that together. Um, here's where I want to go with this, Chip. You know, the the feeling I think we talked about it a little bit on the previous podcast was that Jade Barron would depart for the NFL again as someone who had if memory serves me correct, accepted his senior bowl invite. Um, but I'm even going to go deeper than that. When I just think about my interactions with John A, someone I, you know, I spoke to a, a fair amount this year, because of course we got him a lot during media, but Chip, toward the end of the year, um, Big 12 title game, he was sitting down, he was emotional, and I, I asked him this specific question. I was like, hey, John A, as a moment hits you, you're an Austin guy and also native that, you know, 20, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to be able to, take your kids and your family into DKR and you can point them to that, that side of the, the uh, stadium, right. Where they hang the conference title um, the, the, on the, the, the honor, the conference title, excuse me, with the year on the facade. And, and you can point them there and be like, yeah, I was part of that. And Jade got really emotional. He was like, man, I, you're going to make me cry. Like I haven't even pondered that. And then chip, I, I if memory serves me correct, you know, you were uh, taking care of things to open locker room after the college ball playoff. So you missed Jade uh, when he was brought to the player availability. He spoke like a player who was not coming back again. He never said those words, but I mean, we've done this long enough to where you hear the tone in people's voices and there's a level of emotion. That's not even just pertaining to the loss, right? It's, or pertaining to the game. It's the, the, the deeper factor of like this, could be the last time I was lined up at Texas. So all intents and purposes, it, I didn't know for me, I, I thought he was gone. So to get him back, someone who Steve Sarkeesian has called the glue of the Texas defense ship. And I think not even just um, for even his his own you know benefit next year uh, in terms of going to the NFL, but for Texas's benefit, losing to Vondre Sweat, losing Byron Murphy, bringing in you know new players in the secondary, Someone who can tie the front end to the back end. Jalen Ford's no longer there, right? You know, so who can kind of tie all three levels of the defense together. I think that's huge. And if he puts together a season, and I, I tweeted this out, you know, yes, his counting numbers were down, Chip, and you, of course you were there for 2022, so you can speak as to whether or not the, the counting stats were truly reflective of, um, you know, a dip in play in 2023. But in my mind, Chip, I, I guess, you know, I've seen enough of those intangibles, those things that he he, he does, you know, the, the little subtle communications, you know, uh, against BYU, um, that overtime, excuse me, against Kansas State, that, that overtime drive, um, you know, the, the things he did against Houston. I genuinely believe the statement, Chip, that if the NFL really valued the nickelback spot, a spot that Steve Sarkeesian has said isn't valued enough in, in football. Uh, Ryan Watts said it as well, said that Jade would get more attention if he would play on the outside full time. If the NFL valued that spot the way they should, um, you know, Jade would probably be a lock for the NFL draft in my mind, but it's not the case. And it's Texas's gain as they try to pursue a natty in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who, um, smart football player puts in a lot of work, puts in a lot of film study. I think he, um, you know, he wants to elevate his 
play, his stock, and help this Texas team maybe take another step. And um, I, I think it shows great self-awareness because I think he would have gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit because he's not a measurables guy. He doesn't have you know special length. He's just a really smart uh, football player, good tackler. Uh, that stuff tends to get valued more in the second round, third round, fourth round. Um, the first round's about measurables, unless you are just making plays that no one else is making. And and I think he believes he can be that guy. And so that's exciting um, for, for Jade to come back and help this defense because they did their starting over in certain spots. You mentioned Jalen Ford. Um, and, and in the secondary, Jaron Thompson is, is no longer a part of it, but, um, Johnny Barron can help lead that, that group and they need him to lead. Um, next in our timeline of developments, Isaiah Bond, uh, the kid who caught the, the miracle pass from Jalen Milrow and the disaster in the pasture as Auburn fans are calling it the fourth and goal from the 31. Um, that guy is now signed and going to school at Texas. This is a big time get Eric, because Isaiah bond has, we just described he's made one of the biggest plays in Alabama football history. And, um, He's he's a proven product. He's got speed. He's you know he reminds me a lot of Ad Mitchell from a big play standpoint. Not quite the same physical stature, but this is a big time pickup. Chip, elite speed. Someone who, as I spoke about, what Steve Sarkeesian was looking to do as far as moving the wide receivers around in his both of his, his years at Alabama, played basically sixty forty in the slot and out wide so he has that ability and that is what we'll call the Nick Saban effect right because you know no one could have predicted Nick Saban retiring and we're now seeing teams across the nation even Caleb Downs right he's in the portal we're seeing teams across the nation get a, a richer because of Nick Saban's retirement but yeah I mean listen again if you have not had a chance to watch Isaiah Bond I just take a look at again his initial burst off the line that type of speed is going to be huge in his versatility and where he can be moved I mean that's a pickup that you know is someone who is capable you talked about him kind of being similar to A.D. Mitchell I, I can't agree more someone's probably looking at not that he had necessarily bad years you know it's an emerging player there at Bama and the quarterback situation was on the verge of a breakout year and has an opportunity to do that with one of the top returning quarterbacks in the nation Quinn yours yeah yeah that's big time um and then, um, since we're just kind of going down the down the row here, um, the Dwayne Aquina news was interesting. Is interesting. Dwayne Aquina, longtime defensive backs coach at Texas, uh, looked like he was returning as a defensive analyst. And we're, at full disclosure, we're recording on Wednesday, uh, January seventeenth, and all we know is that Aquina was being courted. Uh, by new Arizona coach Brent Brennan uh, for a possible uh, position coaching spot there with Arizona. So we're kind of in a holding pattern on the Dwayne Aquina news, but uh, Dontre Robinson being let out of his letter of intent, 
And then Alabama linebacker Kendrick Blackshear um, landing at Texas. And uh, Texas, I thought, got lucky last year, Eric, in that they stayed healthy. At linebacker Jalen Ford played every snap. He might have played too many snaps against Oklahoma. Um, but you got Anthony Hill and you know Mo Blackwell, David Benda returning is is significant. But um, you in you know in Kendrick Blackshear, you bring in a guy who's a sideline to sideline guy, um, and a guy who has been in the Saban uh, process. So uh, it's that is valuable depth you're adding and and maybe a starter right there at a position where Texas seemed like it was kind of scrambling. You know, they got Ty Anthony Smith late, um, but Kendrick Blackshear, that's a big pickup. Again, Chip, keep it on the versatility theme. What that addition does is you're expecting Leonga LaFau to develop and be that guy, whether it's inside or outside. Seems like that, you know, possibly that um, Anthony Hill could possibly play inside, but it, it gives you versatility because let's just say for whatever reason, you know, LaFau doesn't have a good spring or fall. I'm just, you know, throwing on hypotheticals here, right? Or, or let's say all three guys, you know, Blackshear, um, Anthony Hill, Leonga LaFau, you know, David Benda, they all play up to par, right? Well, then. All right, then then you got a guy who again could possibly start. It allows you to move Anthony Hill like a chess piece. You know, maybe he can do a little more as a rusher. It's just overall versatility that that you get um, with that type of addition. So you can never have too much depth. Listen, it's a better problem to have a guy and figure out. All right, how can we get him on the field right and move him around a bit as opposed to not having someone to put in those spots right. So uh, that's where I think that addition falls. Let's quickly on the. Uh, Deontay Robinson one that's one that's interesting a, a kid that I'm really high on you know being a Floridian going to college in Orlando really familiar with that Jones program that is a uh, inner city program there in Orlando that does a great job chip developing talent um it's so be really interesting he also uh played with CJ Baxter Edgewater before um uh makes way to Jones so was there were two quality programs there in central Florida so the fact that you know he he's now requested the release from his letter of intent has been given that it is a loss for the horns because that's again someone chip who I was really high on of that that slew of interior defensive linemen just DeAndre sheer size and again I think he, he, coming from that program there I, I thought he was a guy who was primed uh to hit the ground running especially if someone's going to be a a January arrival but Again, we will see when that uh, when that position coach spot gets filled. Um, it looks like, again, it'll have to be from the portal and, and maybe chip, you know, for the immediate future of the horns that that is, you know, missing out on Jamar Caldwell making pick up on. In my mind, Chip, you don't even have to have a guy who's necessarily starter level. It can just be a Trill Carter. Maybe you want someone who's a little more impactful than Trill, but Trill sneakily played over 250 something snaps this year and was solid in his role. Again, maybe not good enough to crack the rotation in, in, in areas that weren't non-leverage. You know, his more um, high leverage, his, his highest snap total was against Baylor. We know that game was a blowout, but still, maybe someone in that range, one or two of those guys in that range, I think does the job for Texas this year. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely need to add um, at least one out of the portal. And of course, the portal will, uh, well, it's the portals. <laughs> The window was closed on uh, January 2nd, but then it opened right up with all the coaching searches. You get 30 days if your coach um, changes or if your position coach changes. So 
The portal is uh, given given the circumstances, Chip. The, the, that window is always just cracked, right? It's yeah. just it's a little cracked, a little cracked. Uh, and then of course, it'll open again for 15 days at the beginning of May. Okay, so that uh, that encapsulates, and of course, all the 18 early enrollees, um, minus DeAndre Robinson, have uh, moved in for their early enrollee. Um, uh, time at, at Texas. It's amazing to me. We're talking about 17 players. Um, well, now that's changed because Kendrick Blackshear and Silas Bolden are here. Anyway, we're talking about nearly 20 guys who are early enrollee freshmen. Um, it's, it's an easier list of who's not an early enrollee freshman, but they're on campus now because school started on the 16th. Eric, uh, really, really quick, getting here in, in the, the coldest, the coldest week of the year for those guys to move in. Just got to point that out really quick, right? You, yeah. you take a look at some of the videos and the pictures of those guys. They were bundled up as they were moving their stuff in. How about some of the kids taking visits north of Austin? I heard a story today about a kid who went to visit K State uh, this past weekend. Was like, no, not happening. It was like. 10 degrees. Anyone who saw the Chiefs game knows what that weather was like. Um, Eric, before we get to uh, take it or leave it, men's hoops and women's hoops, um, you know, men's basketball, again, we're recording on Wednesday. The men's basketball team is playing Central Florida uh, tonight, and they're coming off a, a win at Cincinnati and then a loss uh, at West Virginia. West Virginia, the only team in the Big 12 with an overall losing record. So that one uh, that one hurt and all kinds of foul trouble in the loss to West Virginia. Caden Shedrick only plays four minutes before his back. He looked like he had a Home Depot, you know, worker belt on uh, four minutes after, you know, or four, four minutes into that game. And um this team just doesn't look very connected to me, Eric. And they're not playing for each other. They're not, they're not, you know, laying it all out there for each other. It looks like they're a bunch of individuals out there and they need some culture Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, something to get them connected because it just doesn't look like they're leaning on each other. And and Rodney Terry's searching for answers. I mean. He's the minutes are kind of everywhere and it's just uh, it's been a tough it's been a tough go. And you're getting to that point in mid-January where you at least ought to know who has what roles on your team. Chip, I let out that hearty laugh because you hit the nail on the head when talking about the the wrap that you know Caden Shardick was wearing. It, it did it did look like that indeed. So, uh, good call out there. No, to your to your point about basketball, this is something that you know um, I asked Rodney Terry about in the early part of the year when you have this many newcomers. You know, eight newcomers. You know, several of those guys being transfers. What's going to be the process as far as integrating them? And he said a lot of it's just going to be time on the court. You know, playing together. And, you know, follow back with RT and, and ask him about that process. Seemingly, I think all of us did. I were kind of endless and ask him how that process was. And he he, he has a, a line, Chip, a quote, a, a saying, I should say that it's by being a star in your role. 
to your point, Chip, I think there's a lot of guys on this team who still aren't quite sure what their roles are. Max Acemas knows that his role is to score, right? If there's one thing about Max, he is finding ways to score. I mean, he kept that team in, in striking distance against West Virginia, ended up with 33 on the night just by bearing buckets. So one thing I will say, I've been impressed about Max. I think I mentioned this last podcast is his ability, despite his small stature chip, he always finds his spots on the floor to get his shot off. And that's been impressive making the leap from, you know, obviously a mid-major to now the big 12 Dylan Mitchell has been, you know, very transparent about feeling that his ticket to the NBA is being a defensive guy and rebounding. And he's done that fairly well. We'll know Brock Cunningham, right? Is that veteran guy is good willing to do anything to, to, to get out there. But even he's a little mismatch in his role. Cause he's been a starter chip. And I want to start there when kind of assessing some of the issues with this team, does Brock need to come off the bench? Time will tell me. The answer is probably yes. I think you take a look at his numbers, Chip. Last year, in about 16 minutes of action per game, his shooting numbers were well higher. You know, shooting about 48% from three, you know, mid-40s from the field. In about 24, 25 minutes per game, his shooting numbers are down significantly while you know his defensive presence is still there but i think it's affecting him in that regard maybe a little bit of over usage we got to go to it horton chip is someone who and it's hard listen i don't want to point it, the finger at it here's why it's one thing for a guy who's been a career 11 point per game scorer chip if he's just missing shots right he's in a slump you say he needs to shoot better he's never had in his career back-to-back -back games where he's gone scoreless the last three games he's gone scoreless. He's only taken six shots. So for a guy who's averaging 11 points per game for his career and who Roddy Terry called at the beginning of the year could be an elite shooter, it's not one It's one thing if he's not making the shots. Chip, he's only taken six shots. So that says to me he's unsure of what he's doing out there, right? And his defensive presence isn't enough to offset if he's not giving you anything on the offensive end. Uh, we saw when he got the start when Tyrese Hunter was out with the flu, he had 10 points and 10 boards. Because he's been a career starter for his majority of his career. He knows what to do in the starting lineup, but off the bench, it's been a little awkward. Kendall Weaver is a guy whose energy and effort, but even his numbers are, are down from you know his, his um, time at UT Arlington, where he's the black freshman of the year. So it does feel like a lot of guys. Tyrese Hunter probably needs to step it up defensively. Shedrick's banged up. Um, you know, the list goes on. But in my mind, Chip, there's just I don't want to say too many question marks because I do agree with Rodney Terry when he said that we spoke with him yesterday uh, and his Zoom availability that there's still a lot of high upside for this team, but they run out of time, man. Just, Chip, I'll give it back to you on this. I don't know if you saw this uh, note. ESPN published their, their strength of remaining schedule, remaining strength of schedule, right? Top 16 teams in the nation. All 14 Big 12 clubs are among the top 16. What does that tell you? There truly are, as Rodney Terry says, no nights off in the Big 12. That just was astounding to me, that 14 of the 16 teams, Big 12 clubs. So it, it, as far as time to get this thing fixed, you know, I guess there's still time as far as the season, but they're not going to be any weaklings to get it fixed against. And that starts with UCF tonight. Yeah, and they've got to get they got to get connected because they don't look like a team that rises and falls together. They look like a team that's looking for someone to be hot that night and you you can't survive that way. There's eight teams right now projected from the big 12 into the NCA tournament and Texas is not one of them. So, um, you know, when you're 
talking about Kansas and Houston and Baylor and, you know, it's crazy. Texas is in a seven-way tie for seventh place with Houston right now. So, I mean, this league is beating up on on itself. Um, the the pundits know who to give the benefit of the doubt to. Texas is not one of those teams. Rodney Terry is in the process of earning that, and everyone's watching. So, this is, uh, you know, there's still time. You can get hot, but you want to see some progress of a team that is connected, that is fighting together and not just looking for, uh, you know, answers each night based on who's hot and who's not. Um, The Texas women, on the other hand, were dealt a rough blow when Roy Harmon, their, you know, first team all big 12 point guard defensive player of the year went down with a torn ACL on December 27th. Vic Schaefer, you can tell, thought he had a national championship type team this year uh, and was devastated. I mean, he said as much. He said, I'm heartbroken. I mean, it was almost like you wanted to just say, hey, Vic, you got to get yourself together here (laughs) because you've got a whole season ahead of you. So what does he do? He moves his star freshman, a six-foot-one wing player, Madison Booker, um, the number 12 player in the nation coming into Texas as a freshman out of Ridgeland, Mississippi, Uh, someone who Vic recruited from the time she was in eighth grade and he was still the head coach at Mississippi State. She wears number 35 for Kevin Durant and he moves her over to the point guard position. It was rough at first. That doesn't help when your first game after that injury is Baylor. Um, and Texas lost that game, but it was a six point game. Madison Booker scored 25. She's getting more comfortable. The turnovers are becoming less. Last night, the Texas women beat Kansas 91 to 56. That's a Kansas team that had beaten Baylor, um, and is talented, veteran. And Madison Booker was on Sports Center's top 10 highlights for her, you know, behind the back. Um, dribble that you know en route to a easy layup but it was it's amazing how well she handles the ball for a six foot one player because eric you and i both know a six foot one guard in the women's game is like lebron bringing it down the court or magic johnson playing the point it's just a different um situation and for a freshman to get thrown into this that is a team that looks like it's got nothing but upside. So kudos to uh, to Vic Schaefer and um, and kudos to Madison Booker, who's giving all the credit to Rory Harmon, who's coaching her on the sideline, constantly coaching her out of timeouts. Uh, Madison said, if I didn't have Rory, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. So um, that's a that's a connected basketball team right there. Yeah, Chip, just a quick kind of piggyback off, off those points. I had a chance to, you know, cover that uh, that UConn-Texas game. That was the same day of Texas' college football playoffs. That was a busy day for me. Um, you know, just uh, the childhood uh, um, childhood sports fan of me had a chance to talk with Rebecca Lobo, who was calling that game for a quick minute, and she called Roy Harmon the top point guard in the nation, right? So that's that type of loss that you're talking about there. But everything you said about Madison Booker, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the, the key for the women, right? I mean, we're going to see what necessarily they, they can do in Big 12 play, but – uh, Nikki Collins club 
up there in Waco, right? You know, obviously one of the top coaches at the women's game, formula of the Atlanta dream there in Baylor has them rolling. Then Kansas state, they got a back-to-back stretch where they go to Waco and then they get number seven, Kansas state in Austin. So I think that stretch really, if they can possibly chip, get one, if not both of those games without Rory Harmon and, and kind of gel, continue to gel as a team. I mean, who knows what can happen? So just want to add that in there really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and Madison Booker brings a whole different set of skills to that point guard position. Rory's Rory's defense, they miss tremendously because Rory uh, is a thief and she sets that that tone defensively with that ball pressure, Vic's um, trademark ball pressure defense. They don't have that, but, um, you know, Madison's length helps in that and they can direct players into um, – you know, spots on the floor where they can uh, help out more defensively. All right, let's get to some take it or leave it. You know, you love it right here on the flagship podcast. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And... If you're watching us on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, we will roll on. Eric, you ready for some take it or leave it? I am ready, Chip. And really quick, just for the audience, and we know we had been scoring things. Uh, it's the offseason, so we don't really have much to score tangibly. So just a heads up, we may take a take a quick break. Maybe, you know, when uh, when basketball season gets in the, in the tournament play, we may have something to score. So nothing to score from last week, Chip. Um, I, think, I think you are leading off to me. Okay. Bo Davis leaving for LSU is a bigger blow to Texas than losing Jaron Thompson, Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford, and or Ryan Watts from last year's defense. Take it or leave it. This was a tough one, man, because I'm a fan. Listen, Jalen Ford, I loved everything he brings to the defense is that veteran guy up the middle. We know the just the terror that Byron Murphy uh, was Ryan Watts a, a very steady corner on the outside, long corner, and of course, Jaron Thompson, veteran presence, best coverage sa- safety for the Horns. But I, I'm I'm taking it, and it's because of everything I, I I said and wrote about. I felt that Bo Davis would be able to kind of get from the those specifically, not just you know the interior of the defensive line, but let's not forget about guys like you know Ethan Burke, um, you know Baron Sorrell. Um, all the guys who, who on this defensive line, but in specificity, the point that I, I was making was just the natural progression of those interior defensive linemen, Collins and Broughton. They seem to be the next men up. Uh, we will see what happens. They may still take that step. 
but yeah, in, in terms of uh, a bigger blow as far as going forward 2024, yeah, I'm going Bo Davis, Chip. What about you? You know what? I'm I'm gonna I feel like this is we're incomplete. So I'm gonna leave it until we see how Steve Sarkeesian fills Bo Davis's vacancy and then how Texas addresses the portal um, in terms of the interior defensive line, because um, there's no question that this was a massive blow at a tough time for Texas um, in terms of, you know, the timing, early enrollees, all that. Dontre Robinson was an early enrollee. And now he's he's looking elsewhere. So, um, but if Steve Sarkeesian comes up with an answer that makes sense, who is capable of spotting, um, identifying, recruiting, developing that interior defensive line talent, um, look, it's going to be hard to replace Bo Davis. We know that. We talked about his credentials. He's been in the NFL with Nick Saban. He hell, he was coaching with my Detroit Lions when Steve Sarkeesian hired him. So um, this is a big blow. I'm gonna wait and see. I, I I definitely see where you're coming from here, but I'm gonna give Steve Sarkeesian the benefit of the doubt. One of the things that um, you know we have mentioned about Johnny Nansen, the new uh, co-defensive coordinator, and inside linebackers coach is that he's a poly whisperer that he's a great recruiter in the Polynesian community. We know um, that look, if, if Johnny Nansen and whoever Texas brings in as the defensive line coach can tap into the Polynesian community for interior defensive linemen, we know that that's uh, an incredible advantage for Texas to be able to tap into uh, in addition to recruiting all the normal hotbeds uh, in the you know college football recruiting landscape. So uh, long-winded answer, but I'll leave it for now. All right, Eric. Next up, Quinn Ewer's return makes Texas a CFP contender. Take it or leave it, Chip. You know, I mean, yes. You got to have the quarterback. You got to have the quarterback. Look at. Michael Penix, look at the quarterbacks who uh, were in the college football playoff this year, um, you know, or in the national championship game. When you look at J.J. McCarthy and uh, Michael Penix, these are guys who've been in the system, had the experience, more experience than Quinn Ewers and Jalen Milrow. Um, but Quinn now is the veteran guy. I mean, he's going to be the third-year guy. And so – Look, they've got other holes to fill. I get that. But if, I mean, Texas is already being projected as a is one of the 12 teams in a lot of the mock, you know, way too early college football playoff brackets. Um, you know, Texas got to get some things taken care of defensively. We just mentioned the defensive line coach and, and all that. But I'm going to take this, Eric. What say you? I'm taking it, Chip, and I'm going to give it back to you with a question. In the now seven months I've got a chance to know you, one of my favorite lines 
from you, Chip, and it's not necessarily yours. It's one you've you've heard in your career. Uh, what did Barry Switzer used to say about quarterbacks? Hey, big in the big games, the team with the best quarterback usually wins. Simple as that. Quinn Ewers entering his third year. There's no reason to believe that he will not be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He certainly was among one of those among those i should say this year and i mean he, we saw the direction that quinn was trending in even pre-injury right was playing excellent football so i have no reason to believe that quinn ewer's ascension um will stop i, I believe he's going to continue to rise and i think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation without the quarterback you don't have it so i'm right there with you chip all right take it or leave it number three texas's wide receiver room with the additions of Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, and Silas Bolden will be better than the 2023 trio of A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, and Jordan Whittington. Take it or leave it, Eric. You ready for the hot take answer, Chip? You ready? Hot take, hot take. I'm dumb. I'm taking it. I am taking it. For all of the 718 words that I just published earlier today, this is not shading X or A.D. or J. Witt. Jay Witt, I mean, listen, without Jordan Whittington, so much of this year, this past year doesn't happen. His hustle, his effort, what he brings. And really, Chip, I think Jordan gets kind of undershadowed a little bit because he's a really good receiver, too. Like the way we speak of him is uh, he's, he's, you know, a team guy and does this and that. But Jay Witt's a good receiver, too. Um, AD, certainly a, a talent. He's projected to be a first round guy. And, you know, X, his speed. I am really buying in, Chip, to the idea that this could be the first year that Steve Sarkeesian has the receivers in the mold, the receiver room in the mold that he envisions a receiver room. I think the ceiling, the upside is tremendous with all three of these guys. Two things Steve Sarkeesian has said he wants in receivers, speed and versatility. He has it in all three of those guys. I'm taking it. Yeah, and then when you add in, um, you know, Jonte Cook, a guy who on the limited touches that he got was, you know, somewhat electrifying. I, I'm going to follow you into this, uh, hot take because look, Steve Sarkeesian, he's got the secret sauce. Guys want to play for him. The NFL wants his players. Um, and everything's trending in the right direction with Quinn Ewers returning. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this. And I love AD Mitchell. Like that dude was as big time and big moment as it gets. I'm gonna be interested. He he led Texas in end zone targets by double. Um, you know, he had 18 end zone targets and the next closest was nine. So I'm interested to see who of this group ends up, or maybe it's more equally spread. That's even more dangerous because then you're not just keying in on, on one receiver. So yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with you on this, Eric. I am taking it. There you go. Texas fans, There's something to get excited about. I mean, you've had a lot to get excited about here recently, but um, listen, we appreciate you all here in 2024 for listening to the flagship podcast, this episode of it. 
Um, make sure that you please like and subscribe to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. And until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com where news is always breaking and you're going to hear it first right there at Horns247.com. For Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.